So let's get in the word, Numbers chapter 12. Um, last week we looked at chapter 11 and we saw two uprisings there in the camp of Israel and neither one of them ended well. Uh, the first three verses speaks of a general complaint that seemed to stem from those that were on the outskirts of the camp. Um, it doesn't say that directly, but when the Lord... Um, chastised them for those complaints we know that there was fire that came down at the outskirts of the camp and I can't imagine that uh, the Lord brought that fire where there was worship uh, versus complaints in the middle of the camp <laughs> and we even talked about you know the outskirts of the camp it, 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 it you know you could look at that and as we try to make a, a new testament application you know looking at folks that are that are they're, they're not in the, in the midst of really walking in the camp with the Lord, but instead they're kind of out on the outs, you know, uh, wavering out there and so forth. And uh, I find when I draw closer to the Lord, there's more thanksgiving in my mouth. And when I drift from them, uh, complaints come in really, really quickly. Uh, we know right after that, we read about a specific complaint. And it was against, against the Lord concerning the bread from heaven, the manna that he had been providing for them for already a year. They were about a year in out there in the wilderness. And because of what happens in the next two chapters, which we won't get to tonight, uh, it would be what they'd be eating for the next 39 years. <laughs> uh, but complain against God, and, and remember they began to... Uh, um, glamorize Egypt that they were delivered out of they were delivered out of what they called an iron furnace and God get us out of this place but uh how many times you know do we as Christians even forget the sting of sin and our flesh has a tendency to remember the temporary pleasure of it and that's what was going on and you know they began to recant all the things that they ate over there uh and began to desire for meat and we want meat and the complaint grew and so uh, uh god sent meat and he said i'm going to send so much meat it's going to be coming out of your nostrils and i'm not just going to send meat for one meal or one day or two days but for 30 days straight straight and then remember moses was like who do you think you are god that you can do that and he said my hand's not too short because moses is thinking how can god you know or what are, are the cows going to come home what's what's going to happen here and uh we don't want to question God. He's going to do what he says he's going to do at every single turn. And remember, we read about a wind coming in and all of these quail coming in. I think we read it was two cubits high of, of quail, which is three feet, three feet of quail. And the people just began to hoard it, which showed their lack of faith because God said, I'm going to provide for you for 30 days so you don't need to hoard it. They had done that with the manna too, and that first showed up a year earlier. And then it also showed them, you know, walking in, in uh, gluttony and, and in the flesh, and they, 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 they just began to devour it. And they didn't, we don't read about them giving thanks to God or giving praise to God. And it says, while the meat was still in their teeth, the Lord brought a judgment upon them. And with that judgment, you know, the first one we saw, it had to do with those outside of the camp or on the outskirts of the camp. With this, it was the mixed multitude that started and we talked about how um in the hebrew to the english that's where we get our word riffraff and we talked about people just really mixing 
the, the things of the world with the things of the Lord. It's a double-minded man. And, you know, the church of Laodicea, not hot nor cold, but, but a combination of the both, lukewarm. And that combination really is man's opinion because Laodicea means man's opinion and bringing it with God's word and mixing it. And neither of those things, uh, uh, or those things just, just aren't good. So two, two big trials have, have taken place with uh, a severe chastisement from God. And you would think going into chapter 12 that there's going to be a calm now. There would be a reprieve because of, uh, first of all, again, the chastisement of the Lord because of the complaining. And then even, you know, how much can these people go through? Um, with the things that have already taken place in the first year. Uh, and yet we come here to chapter 12, and unfortunately we see uh, another trial coming. And life's like that sometimes, isn't it? You ever get in that place where you just feel like you're in the ocean, and it's one trial after another, and you get through one, you're like, okay, all is calm, and then bam, <laughs> here comes the next one. And you're looking at the beach over there thinking, boy, if I could just get over there, it, it'd be nice. But it's not always like that. Uh, sometimes we get bombarded sometimes there's there's seasons like that sometimes there's years like that uh, sometimes there may be a few years like that some, some folks much of their lives like that have you read about uh the apostle paul and remember he begins to recite all the things that he've gone through and and you get about halfway through and you're like how's this guy even alive you know beaten with with rods and he was shipwrecked and all the various things and it's just important when that's the case because we see another trial coming on tonight, uh, really more directed towards Moses. It's just important that we, we don't grow discouraged. And maybe some of you tonight, you feel like you're in the ocean, so to speak, with trial after trial. We can't grow discouraged. But it's important that we, we press on, we pray, persevere, put our hope in God. And uh, in the midst of it too, it's always nice to know that this too will pass. And uh, again, singing those songs like I'll Fly Away, it's a reminder, this is going to pass. And I'm here for a short time. And, um, you know, as it says there, it says there in 1 Peter 5, 8 through 11, just read this and then we'll jump into the chapter. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he, whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing the same sufferings are experienced by your brother hood in the world but may the grace but may the god of all grace who called us to eternal glory by christ jesus notice what it says after you suffered a while perfect establish strengthen and settle you to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever amen so after you suffered a while so stand fast be sober-minded look at the bigger picture uh you know resist the wicked one Know that there's others going through what you're going through. There's, 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 there's more than one that feel like they're in the sea being bombarded by waves. And then know on top of that, that again, this is going to pass after you suffered a while. And all of this is a process of God perfecting us and establishing us and strengthening us. Um, that, that these things are, are, are going to come and they're going to go. And then it says here at the end of the glory, you know, to God forever and ever and ever. And that's just a good word. And just kind of something, you know, to, to bring these chapters together and hopefully a word of encouragement for us here tonight. Now, we come here to verse 1 of chapter 12. And again, these other things have just taken place. And uh, Miriam and Aaron, who this kind of centers around, they've seen what happens when, 
you know, you want to walk with a complaining heart. They knew what happened out there at the outskirts of the camp. They knew what had happened in the camp, you know, as the mixed multitude, the riffraff began to complain against God, complain against the bread of God, saying we want the meat of the world instead. It says here in verse 1, though, then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses. That's a, that's a bad move. Because of the Ethiopian woman that he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. Now, um, most are certain that Moses' first wife had passed away, Zephora. Remember, her father was Jethro, and when Moses fled Egypt, um, he tended to the sheep and ended up marrying Jethro's daughter. Uh, had two sons by her and there's nowhere in the scripture that that speaks of her after this and there's nowhere that speaks of Moses having uh, more than one wife and so we can assume biblically that she had passed away and so what he did here was perfectly acceptable before the Lord and the first of all he was free to remarry so he was no longer in that covenant with Sephora so he could remarry and secondly some look at this and say well he couldn't marry a foreigner because God had told them not to marry Canaanites and we need to distinguish God said you can't marry these Canaanites when you come into the land the Hivites and Jebusites and all these ites but you can you can marry outside of that and so he was perfectly within the will of God because the Canaanites remember they they were a godless people they were a people that that judgment had ran its course they weren't ashamed of their sin anymore remember we've talked a lot about this God was sending Israel there in part into uh, Canaan to bring judgment upon them. So God did not want them intermarrying with Canaanites. But uh, an Ethiopian, he was free to remarry or to marry. And uh, most likely because the, the Hebrew is a, a Cushite woman, um, it, it's probably more appropriate that she was an Egyptian than uh, Ethiopian because just where the borders were, those were all Cushites uh, down in that area and uh absolutely so um you know thinking about that maybe and and it probably wasn't the case maybe he reunited with his high school sweetheart uh, maybe she was a widow or two probably not the case uh but he was free to do that i, I know they didn't you know reconnect on facebook so um we, we know that for sure but um notice here about this it says then miriam and aaron spoke against moses and so it seems that his sister, who is listed first, um, started the complaint. I think if it was the other way around, you know, it, it'd say then Arian and or Aaron and Miriam spoke against Moses. And this is again Miriam who who fished, uh, you know, it, or, or put put a Moses in the water, and then said, "Hey, I can get a wet nurse for him," and so forth. We read about her there at the beginning of Exodus, and. Um, this is also uh, Miriam and Aaron that, that God had raised up to help Moses uh, lead the people. And Micah 6.4, it says, I brought you up out of the land of Egypt. I re- redeem you from the house of bondage. And I set before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. So all of them had a, 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 a place in leading uh, the people. Uh, so we need to keep that in mind. And we'll come back that to, to, to that in a second. Uh, but it started with Miriam, and uh, she didn't like her brother marrying uh, this woman. So I have to take it she didn't like this woman. Uh, aren't you glad that never happens today in families? Uh, 
and she she wasn't shy about saying it you know she's going to speak her mind the problem is it says she spoke against moses it doesn't say she spoke to moses and uh listen the verbiage in the scripture it's precise so i'm going to go speak about moses but i'm not going to speak to moses and we want to be careful with that listen if you got an issue with someone um go to them first and foremost and if it's an issue oh i don't you know i got an issue with them i think what they're doing is sinful you don't want to join them in that sin by talking about them you need to go to them if you talk about them listen you can talk about them and like oh there's there's an out i can talk about them yeah if you talk about it to the lord and she didn't do that either she just spoke against him she didn't bring it to god she didn't say lord what's up with my brother marrying this ethiopian um, and then waited upon God to minister to her, and she didn't go to him. Instead, she just talked about it. And there, there's, there's uh, you know, many that believe that this was happening in part because um, there was an underlining issue here. Seventy elders had just got raised up to help lead in uh, Israel, with amongst the Israelites, and then perhaps with this new wife as well, uh, Aaron and Miriam were feeling threatened because it starts here them talking about the Ethiopian woman but we're going to see here in verse 2 that was just a surface complaint the real issue had to do with Moses' leadership and them really wanting to undermine him and saying hey why is he you know at the lead in all of this we are leaders too and we should be co-equals in this or in fact we should be calling the shots because we're both older than them. Moses was baby brother. Aaron's a few years older than Moses, and Miriam's like, you know, at least at least ten or so years older than him. Um, but there's an underlining issue, and unfortunately, oftentimes, you know, at that well, not oftentimes, but that can be the case with people. You know, when there's when they start having issues with someone else. Um, especially when it stems from their own sin because we're going to see this was really Aaron and Miriam that had the issue and I think oftentimes it happens with issues with leadership you know, someone doesn't like how something's being done and instead of going and just addressing the issue directly with that person or taking the right steps they begin to look for something minor that they can begin to grumble and complain about uh, usually in an effort to try to begin to get a group together then they can spill the beans and you know it's not just the ethiopian woman who put this guy in charge over here you know we got a guy leading us that marries an ethiopian what's wrong with this guy and that's how it oftentimes works and so you know we need to be careful with that um you know be careful when people are coming to you with complaints about others uh, a good first question is well have you talked to them about it uh, maybe before that have you talked to the lord about it and then secondly have you talked to them about it and if they say no, then you say, well, why are you talking to me about it? <laughs> because really even to sit there and begin to listen to it, uh, you know what? Gossip isn't just always about a gossiping tongue. It can also be about a gossiping ear. So notice here verse 2. The first verse is, you know, they're speaking against Moses because of this Ethiopian woman. And then verse 2, it says, so they said, has the Lord indeed spoken, or has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also and notice here the lord heard it now they weren't saying this in a prayer they were just saying this and now we see that this surface complaint really had a deeper underlining issue 
There was either a jealousy against Moses or there was animosity against Moses. Again, they're, they're a year out in the wilderness. They're seeing a lot of problems. People can look at Moses and say, Bo, you're the problem here. Ultimately, it's Moses' fault because there's these complaints. Uh, you know, at the, the outskirts of the camps had some fire come down. This riffraff's complaining and, and you know, we, we got a real issue with the way you're leading over here, Moses. It's your problem. Uh, been real easy and we'll see from here on. Boy, they're, they're, this, this is a repeating pattern. And um, Moses, for the most part, we see one bad moment later on where he beats a rock instead of uh, speaking to the thing and it keeps him from entering into the promised land. But we'll see here in verse 3, God didn't have issue with Moses. Didn't have an issue at all. We talked about this a few Sundays ago that, listen, if there's, an, if there's no ox in the stall, the stall is clean. But if you bring in an ox, there's strength. But there's also a lot of mess in that, in, in that, uh, in that stall. And if you can get people together, you, you, you're going to get mess. There's going to be a, a lot of mess that happens. And sometimes that mess can, can grow and, and be the product of leadership. And there's going to be a higher accountability for those that are in that place. But that's just not always the case. You get people together, it's going to get messy. Not, not everyone wants to listen to instruction from the word. Uh, sometimes people uh, you know, are drawn to where there's groups of people because they can bring their agenda into that and begin to push it and so forth you know the way a heretic works he'll come along and pretend like he's going along with the program and when an opportune time comes he'll introduce his thing it's kind of like here oh man you gotta you know there, there's this moses married this ethiopian woman and they're kind of talking about it and then going along but you know the things happen in chapter 11 and 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 now you know what who 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 said uh He's the only one that should be leading here. Opportune time to introduce that. And after chapter 11, this is a, a good opportunity. And so we got to know what this ultimately, uh, uh, as they're speaking against the, uh, the authority of God or the authority of Moses, they're really speaking against the authority of God because Moses, Moses didn't put himself there. God put him there. God's the one that raised him up. God's the one that put him in charge. In fact, uh, out there in the wilderness, he was even saying, I don't want to do this. You know, he was out there saying, oh, one of these days God's going to come and then finally I'm going to go. God came and it was like, can't you get someone else? I'm not qualified for this. I have a stuttering tongue. Even though we learn in Acts that he was actually affluent in the way that he speaks. So he was either, you know, unaware that he actually didn't have those issues and it was more, you know, at, uh, not giving God the credit for the way he spoke or... Um, you know, it, it, was, it was a matter of, uh, um, you know, maybe not understanding that he was gifted when he thought he wasn't. But um, God's the one that put him in this place. And these guys are thinking they were all equals. And, and again, we, we're all equal in the sense that, that you know, we all have breath and, 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 and there's no partiality with God. But in the sense of leadership, these, these guys weren't equal. Didn't make Moses any more beloved of god he loves us all but god had put him in that place and 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 not recognizing that they were coming against the the authority of the lord and really where it says the lord heard it what he should have been hearing is god thank you for using us thank you that we get to be part of leading these people that you put in this place and as far as for moses they should have been said our brother's in an incredibly difficult position lord strengthen them 
And then help us to be of one accord. Help us to be in one place. When, when there's rifts in leadership, it's generally because, you know what, not everyone's seeking the Lord or someone's not hearing from God. And instead of saying, Lord, get us all on the same page, instead they're complaining against him and the Lord heard it. And again, ultimately, this isn't against Moses, it's against God. Romans 13, 1, let every soul be subject to governing authorities, for there's no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. And that's not just, you know, in worldly government, that's in the church now as well. And as long as it's a a genuine, you know, work of the Lord uh, from the beginning. And I think as we just look at this, some encouragements for us, we want to know our lane and we want to we want to serve God joyfully in it. It's a dangerous thing when we begin to covet someone else's position that God has truly put them in. It's a bad place to be. Um, you know what? In fact, if you begin to covet that place and you even attain that place, and it's not the Lord that's put you in that place, bad stuff's going to come out of it. It really is. It's either going to come out on this side of eternity. That's where it's better to come out from a correction from God. Or if you get in that place and you're able to bring in a fleshly agenda, and the flesh is draws to the flesh. But then you stand before God and he says, I said not let many become teachers. And you push for this place and you got a following and you brought something other than my word. You talk about it ending badly. That's a horrific thing. So we want to identify where God has called us to serve and to serve him well in that place. And then if God, you know what, wants to open up a new door, let the Lord open that door. You want to be in that place where, you know, God's put me where I'm at. I didn't uh, campaign for it or manipulate it. And really what's going on here with Aaron and Miriam, they're, think, they're thinking more highly of themselves than they ought. Because really what you got with Moses and those two, and God's going to show them this, and, and again, we, I want to be careful with this because it, it's not, there's no partiality with God, but when it comes to leading Israel here, you know what? Moses was a mountain and Aaron and Miriam were a couple molehills. And you got a couple molehills saying, what's this mountain doing leading? And God's the one, listen, it, Moses couldn't boast in being a mountain. <laughs> God made him that. And so this isn't about man here this is about how god set things up um and they were thinking more highly of themselves than the odd they were walking in pride and, and god had made it clear that he had raised moses up to lead romans 12 3 it says for i say though through the grace given to me not uh to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but think soberly as god dealt to each one uh, a measure of faith now again as this is unfolding maybe you would think moses is over here saying what are these two molehills doing questioning me i'm a mountain but he's not thinking that way at all in fact the 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 fact that he's not thinking that way is one of the reasons why we see god choosing him to lead israel because of his humility because notice verse three and there's parentheses around this it's kind of like in the midst of this you need to know this now the man moses was very humble more than all the men who are on the face of the earth that's stinking humble if you're the humblest man on the entire face of the world now i always laugh when i read this verse because moses wrote this verse (laughs) 
And under normal circumstances, you would be able to highlight this and say, this is one of the most prideful verses written in the entire Bible. Because when you're around someone and they start talking about their humility, I dealt with one someone not long ago and they just kept talking about, I'm humble, I'm a humble servant, I'm humble. And I, it's like, there's nothing humble that I'm seeing. I don't know your heart, but I'm not seeing any humility here. You're blinded, you're drunk with pride, in fact. Man, it's it, it, it just, like, do you, do you really know what you're doing here? Because if you don't, like, you're, you're, you're oblivious to reality. So this is, an, under normal circumstances, to be like, this guy's prideful, but the Holy Spirit moved on holy men to pin this. So th- this is the Holy Spirit's opinion. That he was more humble, he was very humble, more than all the men who were on the face of the earth. Meanwhile, again, Moses is humble. Meanwhile, Miriam and Aaron are jabbing their jaws in pride. 1 Peter 5, 5, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. They're in pride and, and they're talking. Moses doesn't talk in this chapter until the end when he prays for Miriam. I'll spill the beans. She gets leprosy out of this. He's not talking at all. And it's another picture of Moses being a type of Christ. Uh, Jesus, when he was being unlawfully tried, uh, as he went to the cross, Mark 14, 61, it says, but he kept silent and answered nothing. He didn't defend himself. And a mark of humility, if we really want to, to, to test ourselves, because it's easy to go, I'm humble. Uh, let's see, am I humble or not? Let me see. I'm feeling humble. You know, that's not the way you want to judge that. One way that you can judge that is when, when, when you're being slammed, do you keep silent and trust in the Lord? Or do you have to say, man, I'm going to bring fire with fire and I'm going to go, go on a campaign. And I'm going to trash whoever to make myself look better. And I'm going to plead my cause. I'm going to call people. I'm going to go through the phone book, the directory. I'm going to campaign. I'm going to proselyte. I'm going to do everything I can. Moses is just silent. And he didn't see himself as a mountain. He saw himself as a molehill. The problem is Aaron and Miriam saw themselves as a mountain. And they saw Moses as a molehill. And, and God's the one that made him a mountain. And, and uh, you ask any Jew in the world who was the greatest Old Testament patriarch, and almost every one of them is going to say Moses. It ain't going to be Abraham. It's going to be Moses. And we'll see in a second why he spoke to God face to face. Not the case with Abraham. Not in the same way. So, again, God had a high, high view of him. Now notice verse 4, suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, come out you three to the tabernacle meeting. So they came out. And uh, Miriam and Aaron were probably thinking, finally, God's going to come set this in order. God to the rescue. Then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam and they both went forward. So, yeah, suddenly... The Lord spoke. I don't think that they're recognizing that God's coming to set this in order 
Because if that had been the case, I think at this point, it would have said, and immediately Aaron and Miriam fell on their knees. But it doesn't say that. Um, they went forth, and here comes God in this pillar of cloud. It's like the principal showing up, right? And there should be great fear in them, but instead they, they move forward, and you read nothing about repentance. That's, that's how blinding pride can be. And we want to be careful not to embrace it. Um, you know what? To know God's the mountain, and, and, and at the best, maybe I'm a molehill. And if I'm a little more than a molehill, it's only because of God. <laughs> and if there's anything mountain, it's only because of God. We, we sung that tonight. I won't boast in anything, but just I'll boast in him. So verse 6, it says, Then he said, Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. And um, there's a lot of prophets we read about in the Old Testament and the New Testament. You know, we should all pray for the gift of prophecy to speak God's word in power. And uh, I believe that God wants to give prophetic words to everybody. Every time I preach, I pray that I'll have a prophetic word. I don't count myself a prophet. And I get leery when people say that they are prophets. I found most of them to be false prophets when they say they are a prophet. It's kind of a Miriam and Aaron thing here from Numbers chapter 12. But God's saying there's people I prophesy through. And this is talking about, you know, a word concerning the future. And I'll, I'll give them a vision. I'll give them a dream. And there's times when perhaps God will minister to you that way. We want to check all that by the word of God. And he's the one that controls that. I don't think we should yearn for visions and dreams. We should yearn for the Lord. And then signs and wonders follow. But he's making a statement here. And any prophet like that, you would... You would give them honor. The Bible says if you honor a prophet, you'll get a prophet's reward. But he says there in verse 7, again, prophets are to be honored. In verse 6, in verse 7, he says, not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. So first of all, he's the most humble guy on the face of the earth. And now God says, he's faithful in all my house. And you don't see him saying that about anyone else. The Lord does a good job of defending us when we humble our hearts and say, Lord, go before me. Let the Lord go before you. He says, I speak with him face to face, even plainly and not in dark sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And I think that's when like they went, Sister, this isn't going the way I thought it would go. <laughs> I speak to him plainly. So it's, it's a thing of, it's not a dark saying, like a, a word that would come to a Jeremiah, Isaiah, and, and those are incredible men of God. I speak him with face to face. It's like the difference between someone speaking to you through an occasional email versus someone you get together regularly and have lunch with. There's a big difference between the two of those. We sit down and we talk. We sit down and we have conversation. He has seen the form of the Lord. So why aren't you fearful? He's basically saying, Moses is my boy, and, and, and you have no fear concerning this. You get an occasional email, we go out to lunch every day. Verse 9. So the anger of the Lord was aroused against them, and he departed. And Aaron and Mary are like, oh, wow. Boy, I'm, I'm glad that's done. 
But then here comes verse 10. And when the cloud departed from above the tabernacle, suddenly Miriam was leprous, as white as snow. Then Aaron turned towards Miriam, and there she was, a leper. And every place, every single place in the Old Testament, when you read about leprosy, is associated with sin against God. Now, we know that that sickness today, it can be because of sin, but it's not always the case. We're in a fallen world. In fact, that's usually the case, but it can be because of sin. It can be because of sin practically. You can do practical things that will make you sick, and sometimes it can be spiritual. There in Corinth, they were, they were sick because of the way they were abusing the Lord's Supper. But everywhere in the Old Testament where leprosy, leprosy comes, it is because of, of, uh, of sin. Now, you could ask the question here, well, why is Miriam get leprosy, but, but Aaron doesn't? Um, I think in part because Miriam's sin was worse than Aaron's in that she had a place in leadership, but it was not in helping to lead the, con- the, 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 uh, the congregation. And she was even more so overstepping her bounds. Yes, she helped lead, but God has not permitted women to have authority over men in that sense. And I know there's a lot of people that get upset with that. A lot of people don't like that. I know that there are women with platforms in Christendom today that, um, you know, would would scoff at that. And all the more, they shouldn't be in their position because they just don't know the Bible. This is God's order. And if, if you got a problem with that, you don't got a problem with Pastor Steve. You got a problem with the Lord. 1 Timothy 2, 12. And again, this doesn't make men better than women it's just the way god's done things god needed someone to lead he raised up moses that's just the way he did it in a home he wants order so what did you he put adam over eve he didn't put adam over eve to kick her but to protect her and we know that the scripture says husbands love your wife as christ loves the church christ was crucified for us first timothy 2 uh, 12 it says do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man but to be in silence for adam was first formed then eve and adam was not deceived but the woman being deceived fell into transgression and miriam here is under a deception like eve she's not understanding her role she had a leading role to help support absolutely um we we got women in our church that serve in leadership but they don't lead the church we got pastors and elders that do that We'd be doing them a disservice if they were in that place. We are here to even set an example of how things should be in the home. The men should be leading in the home, not the women. Sometimes men don't lead and women have to step into that place. But when a man's making that effort and the woman tries to uh, undermine that, remember Miriam, ladies, you're out of bounds. And know this as well, that God can plead your cause better than you can let him stumble around and stub his toes a few times he'll he'll turn to the lord more but when it's a thing where you're trying to undermine that authority you might drive him to the roof you know that proverb where it talks about a a complaining woman in there this is not very political politically correct tonight at all but it's biblically correct and all this is to bring order to a home and so forth and and so she's even over you know overstepping her bounds in in a great manner and and way 
And so this leprosy comes, comes upon her. And uh, listen, a, a lesson with that. Listen, complain and pride, it's, it's, it's going to bring correction. But being grateful where you are, um, thanking the Lord for the lane he's putting you in, and just saying, Lord, let me serve you well here, walking in humility, you, you flourish in that. And, um, you know, we, we want to walk in with God where he's put. Godliness with contentment is of great gain. And these two weren't content in that. Verse 11, it says, So Aaron said to Moses, Oh, oh my Lord, please do not lay this sin on us in which we have done foolishly and in which we have sinned. So now Aaron repents. When the Lord came down initially, he's not repenting because he's actually thanking God, siding with them. That's how, how stupid sin makes you. Oh, here comes God and he's here to back me up. That's why we want to take things to the word and we want to be honest with ourselves. It's easy to, put our, to get ourselves in a place where we're you know, in the wrong, but we've convinced ourselves not only we're in the right, but God's backing me up in this. I think we all have a tendency to do that. You know, a lot of people say, oh, I'm not sure about God loving me. Uh, but a lot of times those same people are thinking, I'm God's favorite and God's looking out for me. And every, in any deal, I'm going to get the best. I'm going to get the, you know, the, the good deal. The other piece will get the short end because that's just how God works for me. I think modern day Christianity is all like that. This idea that God's there to give everything for you and to cater to you and favor you over everyone else. And this is a really dangerous place to fall into. So verse 12, he says, please do not uh, let her be as uh, one dead whose flesh is half consumed when he comes out of his mother's womb. And so he, he's, he's praying here. Lord, forgive us. And Lord, please heal her. You know, touch her. And verse 13 is an amazing verse because Moses finally speaks. And he didn't say, praise God, it's about time. You know, you put her in check. She's been on my case ever since, you know, she helped fish me out of the Nile River. Doesn't say that. He doesn't say, thank you, Lord, that they know that I'm the mountain and they're in the molehills. He didn't, he didn't look at himself that way. He cried out to the Lord saying, please heal her, oh God, I pray. It's easy to read this and think this just happened. I think this is something that had, had, had been brewing for a while. I don't think he just bounced from, from 12 or 11 to 12. And, and you know, this is something that, that brewed for a while. In the midst of that, Moses could have got bitter. Moses could have uh, gotten animosity. He, again, we never read about him going out on a campaign, campaign to defend himself. He doesn't start... You know, slinging mud at them. Uh, he kept his heart soft before the Lord. Again, this is going on, and God says, I see humility in him. So, so we know that's the case. And, and we see him here again as a type of Christ in that he intercedes for those sinning against him. And Sunday in that psalm, you know, David says, it's you and you only that I've sinned against. All our sins against the Lord and yet the Lord forgives us and makes intercession for us. Isn't he an awesome God? And we need to pray, Lord, help us to do the same, to, to, to pray for those. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 5, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, 
and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be sons of your father in heaven for he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and unjust and i find at times there can be more of a challenge to do that for people that are that are closer around you than for people that are at a distance it can be more of a challenge when it is a brother a sister you know it's someone you serve with that that offends you because it hurts more right it's one thing if listen the the riffraff in the camps complaining against moses that's expected the riffraff right riffraff or riffraff it's it's expected when those on the outskirt of the camp that aren't engaged that aren't actually helping pull the weight and so forth it's expected that they complain they complain about something again i talked about this a few weeks ago they're problem pointer outers but they're not problem picker uppers a lot of folks like that i'll point out the problem but i don't want to get in and that's expected so it's easy to go okay well i'll pray for them i'm not going to take it personal but when it's someone close man those wounds hurt don't they anyone ever have those wounds they can cut deep and it can make you just even want to go retreat and say i'm just i'm done this isn't worth it but look at moses he he humbles his heart he knows he's a sinner he draws near to the lord and when the time comes you know where miriam's afflicted with that leprosy he cries out to the lord oh god heal her touch her minister to her it's a picture of jesus and again i don't have the capability to do that in myself i got to draw near to jesus to, to, to have those types of attributes in my life. Um, and praise God, he welcomes me and, and you to draw near to him to bring forth those fruits. He's good to us. Now quickly, we're almost done. The Lord said to Moses, this, this, is, this is like, it sounds ruthless here, but there's a point. Then the Lord said to Moses, if her father had spit in her face, she would not be shamed seven days. Let her be shut out of the camp seven days, and afterward she may be received again. You're like, dang. Is God advocating us spitting in the face of our children here? Get over here, you little booger. (laughs) (laughs) It's sanctioned in the scripture. What he's saying here, have you ever been spit on, anyone here? I've been spit on before. I I I didn't respond the way I should have biblically. I think one of the worst things you do is spit on somebody. And if you spit in someone's face, dude, you better be ready to back that up in most circumstances. I, I, I don't know about the millennial generation, but in my generation, if you spit on someone, it's on. Because they're bringing the kitchen sink against you. Um, not saying that's right or wrong or whatever else. But if, she, if her father is spit in her face, it's a humiliating thing. That's why the response is such. You spit on somebody? Um, there was a baseball player a number of years back. He spit on an umpire. And I remember there was a, you know, a big fine appropriately. You're spitting on a grown man. Like, who do you think you are spitting on someone's face? It's humiliating. And what are you saying here if her father had disciplined her more and humbled her more and dealt with that rebellious spirit more? And again, she had wonderful attributes. She went out and led worship after they, they, they went through the sea. And, and aren't you glad that God can still use us despite our flaws? 
But if he had disciplined her more and humbled her then, she wouldn't be humbled for these next seven days. Proverbs twenty two fifteen: Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. So don't get all built, bent out of shape when they act foolish. He says, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. And this isn't advocating beating your child. It's advocating, though, correcting them. Proverbs 23, 13, do not, do, not, do not withhold correction from a child. If you beat him with a rod, he will not die. You shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. And again, context here is important. This isn't advocating the psycho who locks his kid in the woodshed for five hours and beats him. That's someone that God is going to smite. This is talking about correct your kid. It's, it's painful to do that. It's not pleasant. It's not enjoyable. And when they're screaming bloody murder because they got a paddling or a timeout, God's saying, calm down, calm down. You know what? You're a good parent. Love them. Never do it in anger. Pray with them afterwards. And by the way, you're delivering their soul from hell. Part of the big problem in our culture today, there's just too many kids that aren't corrected by their parents. In fact, that's frowned on. Again, very, this, this, this sermon tonight is it's not politically correct at all. Um, I make no apologies for it, though. I'm not ashamed of God's word. I'm not ashamed of it at all. This is truth is what this is. And this is God's love for us. And so again, Moses, is pray, Moses prays. God hears the prayer. In seven days, she's going to be healed. But her sin found her out. Man, it's better to deal with those sins in your prayer closet than to continue walking them and have them exposed on a mountaintop. And that happened to poor Miriam here. Also, the rebellion hindered the camp from going forward. You know, it was time to go and it hindered them from prospering, from going forward in the Lord. And sin will always do that. Pride will always do that. But notice verse 16, and afterward the people moved from Hezroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran. And I look at this and I say, you know what? Praise God for afterward. Aren't you glad for afterward? <laughs> I'm so glad for afterward because I've, I've done worse than Miriam. I've done worse than Aaron. Um, again, haven't we all? She spoke against this guy. He's still just a guy. He's still just a sinner. I know he was the most humble man on the face of the earth. He's still just flesh and blood. God came in and chastised and corrected and, and, and the, the praise God there was an afterward. Praise God, this too will pass. Let's receive the chastisement of the Lord though. And, and then I look at this as well and it's just like, man, this, this, it is true. Man's bored for trouble and the sparks fly upward, but praise God, the day's gonna come when I'm gonna fly away. And thank you, Jesus, for that. Amen. Heavenly Father, we bless you tonight. We praise you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your death and resurrection, Lord. We thank you that you intercede for us, even in our sin against you, God. What an amazing thing. I pray we won't be hard-hearted to forgive those around us, Lord, even those that wound us deeply. God, let us forgive. Let us move forward. Let us walk in freedom, not in the bondage and the bitterness, God, of unforgiveness. And Lord, uh, help each one of us in these areas, God. Uh, we desperately need it, God. Lord, we're not even molehills without you, Lord. We're just, in fact, we are dirt. You made man out of dirt. We are dirt without you, God. But fill us tonight afresh with your spirit. And listen, if you haven't called on the name of Christ, he wants to wash you and cleanse you and be your Lord tonight. 
draw near to him and he'll meet you where you're at. Bless the rest of our night. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.